Here, Here we, we go. go again. Oh yeah, baby. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Neat on Belly podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John, not Bone Jones, and Brandon. And boys, oh boy, today. We are going to recap UFC 285 Let's go. and new times two, baby. Times two. Let it go. One goat returns, boys, while the other falls. Can't wait to get into this card. Then we will give you guys our picks and predictions for this Saturday's strong UFC fight night card, which is mainly invented by Piotr Jan versus Mayrob Dwalashwili. And per usual, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts, boys. And I am so pumped up for episode 123 of the Neon Belly podcast. Can't wait to talk UFC 285. We're wasting no time, boys. We are getting right into this off the top. But first, Brandon, you know what we got to do. Rate, sub, follow. Let the people know before we get into this massive Massive pay-per-view. Rate some follow every week. We ask you guys. We want you to get on all the platforms. You can find us and give us some love. So Spotify, you can jump on there and give us some some five stars. You can get us on Apple. Um, give us a five-star review as well as a written comment. We're also on social media. You can follow us on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok at Neon Belly Podcast. Plug in on everything. Like, share, tell your friends, tell your family. Word of mouth helps it all. And I guess while we're here, I, I have not checked, but this is why we love our very own Jacob and our team at Gaha Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because literally on Thursday, Brandon, you were not there, but as we're sitting there... A little awkward. We're sitting there bowing out. (laughs) Jacob literally gets up in the front. You know, he always talks at the end and tells everybody nobody is allowed to roll until they like... Give us five stars and comment and literally made everybody stand there. So it takes a couple of days to update. So I don't have the updates to my knowledge. I can check somewhere in this episode, but um, we appreciate that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it is going to help. And like, even like nobody really gave much of a fuss about it. So like, that's why we say get plugged into your local jujitsu gym, man. Those mm-hmm. are the people that are going to ride for you. They're going to be there. They're going to mm-hmm. support you. Um, and we love our people at Gaha. So, uh, Definitely appreciative yeah. of all those. Big like I said, I'll check and see if any of them came through. But uh, yeah, like I said, that's that that's, that, that type of stuff is what helps us grow. That's man, why we pay so. Jacob the big bucks, right, boys? <laughs> yeah. And you know who else is getting paid big bucks? UFC 285, boys, in the main event. Oh, you know I've been ready for it. <laughs> and new Johnny Bones Jones defeating Sadil Gan via first round guillotine. Oh, and while we're at it, boys, can I? (laughs) That's right, boys. The king is back. The goat is back. All arguments ended. John Jones, boys, is the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. And Brandon, while we're at it. And if you're not down with that, we got two words for you. For you, Brandon. Suck it, Brandon. <laughs> Suck it. The toughest thing my man John Jones had to over- overcome in this fight was an early nut shot and cutting tape off of his toes. That was the hardest thing for him in this fight. Yep. Absolutely dismantle it dismantles, excuse me, surreal gone in just two minutes. Um, I think they said that is like the third fastest finish in heavyweight history. I think the fastest submission victory in heavyweight history, I believe, if I remember right. Um, 
And this guy, man, is the guy who hasn't fought in three years and just walks into UFC 285 like, what ring rust, man? What muscles? What physique, Brandon? (laughs) What bigger weight class that I can't compete at? So shut it up, haters, Brandon, mainly, because John Jones is him, boys. He is him. Never been beaten in MMA, 19 straight wins in his career with 15 of those boys being title fights. Remember, the youngest champion in UFC history. Um, And I think you guys are just going to have to take this because, uh, as you can tell, admittedly, as a John Jones fanboy, I'm just over the moon today. Yeah, just before I jump into the the recap of the fight, I will say this is the most emotional I've ever seen Nate after a win. Like, you were, like, jumping up and down. He tackled me. Yeah, he, like, ran into John. Like, it was just... Oh, it feels so good. Yeah. Shut up, haters. Suck it. (laughs) He was, like, standing up, hunched over, like, I don't know if I like this. What's this? What's going on? And then it starts going his way, and then you just see him turn it up and next thing you know i'm tackled and into you just one more for the people in the back that didn't hear it the first time suck it <laughs> it is refreshing because usually it's me who's like sweating over a fight yeah, i really yeah. really like it was, so it was different even good or bad it's, it's good to see people get into it but i was uh yeah thoroughly impressed man yeah no i mean i honestly as someone who's not a john jones fan it's hard what do you say like there's no way to really discredit what he did That's i mean just crazy man. he went out there and made it look easy um and because the thing is, is not only has he not been active for the last three years, but Surreal Ghana has not only been very active, but he's been competing for world titles. He's been fighting the best in this division. And to come back and go up a weight class and just silence all those doubts coming into it. You know, I jokingly gave Brandon a lot of crap there for the physique thing, because that's the first thing he said to me last <laughs> night when he walked in. I don't like his physique, man. <laughs> And I'm like, hey, and and I mean, it's a fair observation, but, you know, we know physiques don't win mixed martial arts fights. Especially not a heavyweight. He seemed like he was really settling into his power. Like, it seemed like he was really kind of leaning into his shots a little more um, than what I expected. I mean, he didn't look as fast as usual, but he looked like he was very confident in what he was throwing. And he admitted at the end that the stand-up felt a little bit shaky. Yeah, a little Mm. goofy, a little wobbly. You know, he's like, I just haven't been in there for a while. Um but if this is Ring Rush John Jones and this is John Jones shaking off the cobwebs, mm-hmm. I mean, look out, folks. <laughs> I mean, uh, to me, that's just like crazy. Um, and the th- crazy thing to me, even crazier, I mean, is Jones told us all week that this was going to happen. And, and, and in the buildup for this fight, that he saw nothing special and gone and that this would essentially be an easy fight, you know, he's said he didn't see what other people saw, essentially, in Surreal. Probably the most incomplete fighter in the division. Even going as far, me and John talked about this on the way home from Jiu-Jitsu Thursday, to compare him to some of his former 205-pound opponents like Thiago Santos, Dominic Reyes, almost implying that those people had more to offer than what Surreal did. Mm. And I have to admit, even as like a John Jones fan going into this, I thought that was crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm I, that genuinely worried me, thinking like, is this guy really think that Surreal gone is going to be easier to fight than Dominic? Dominic Reyes or Anthony Smith or uh, um, who was the other one? Sorry, that he talked about. Santos. Santos, yes, thank you. Um, But he was right. Mm -hmm. I I mean, at least the optics of it, you know, I'm not, (laughs) I don't know. You know, I would would probably venture to say Surreal is a little disappointed in himself today. He did say that in his post-fight presser. Mm -hmm. Um, He felt, you know, obviously the performance didn't, wasn't a representation of the work put in for this fight. But, man, I just don't know at this point. I mean, 
Bow down. Well, Bow down. And something for me is before this was even announced as a fight, like when, when it was announced that John, like we knew Jones was coming, we just didn't know who it was going to be. It was sure. a Stipe, Francis, or Gone. I remember just specifically saying Gone is the, makes the most sense to me as far as a matchup. I think he runs through Stipe. I think he out-wrestles Francis. Sure. And for him, then obviously for him to go and do what he did to Gone, it's just like, well, what the heck do you even do with him now? Because yeah. I, I still believe he runs through Stipe. I don't. I don't. I don't think that's a very good fight, um, especially for Stipe. So it's like he literally just walked through the what I thought was the best shot at beating John Somebody Jones. Somebody beat him a heavyweight. Yeah. Well, and, and like I, I know you weren't on the episode last week, Brandon, but we talked about that. Is even before Surreal Gone ever fought Francis Ngannou. Everybody said we have to see John Jones and Surreal Gone mm-hmm. because of that stylist and like. Can't get back to it. Can't say it enough. John Jones was like, this is the guy? Like, this is the one that, you know, Francis out-wrestled or out-grappled? And, mm-hmm. But even if you go back a little bit into Surreal Gone, it's like we almost, I guess, as fans, we're kind of billing him as this next generation of um, heavyweights that does have grappling, right? He had the heel hooks and stuff mm-hmm. early on, and it just, for whatever reason, it just hasn't really played out that way as he's moved up into higher competition mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but I told you guys on the Stipe thing, I told you guys last night, um, after the fight, before you left my house, that the next 24 hours were crucial for John Jones. <laughs> yeah. um, and I can confirm we are about, well, we're 12 hours removed from the fight at this point, and it's all quiet. So we haven't yeah. heard anything. So hopefully, Jones gets back to Albuquerque. Albuquerque safely celebrates safely with his <laughs> friends and family. Yeah. I saw Dana said he was going to, uh, I think he said he told Mick Maynard just to get him a private jet and right get him back the heck down. out of Vegas. <laughs> yeah. I saw he posted on his Instagram today, Jones did, well, he, last night, in, like, the middle of the night, and said, he's like, hey, guys, just letting you know, I'm home, I'm back at my hotel, here's my photographer, he said, he already, he's like, I already been to my after party, I just wanted to do a meet and greet, but I'm here, I'm tired, I'm taking my butt to bed, and I'm like, thank you, Gudge, thank you, Gudge, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, because I'll never forget Dana saying Vegas is just not a good place for John Jones to be. You guys don't want to see me lit. And then it's like we're <laughs> going to put him right there, right? Right when he comes back. We're going to send him right back. Uh, but, yes, man. Uh, so I, I do think it's John Jones. As a fan, I have to admit, we do have to tread lightly here. You just never know when you're going to wake up with some bad news about the guy. And, and I hope, but I hope that that is behind him and that he sees the bigger picture. You know, he, he's grown in these last three years um, because we do know what's next, as Brandon mentioned. Seems like it's going to be Stipe Miocic uh, in July. I know, Brandon, your appetite wasn't really high for it, Mm-mm. but, uh, John, you can just, where are you at with the Stipe fight? Because I will say, both guys won it, and I do like the way that Jones is building this and setting it up uh, in his post-fight last night is, this is GOAT versus GOAT, right? This is the light heavyweight GOAT versus the heavyweight GOAT, um, and, and one of them's going to come out the other end as the victor, and and I, I so I do like it from that standpoint. Yeah, I mean, this is what is interesting about it, right? Whereas with Gone, it's like, you know, you know, we've seen this guy be out grappled by somebody who's not sure. even a grappler, and John Jones is a good grappler. Stipe is not a slouch in the grappling right. division, like in that part. So it's not like if, well, if John gets a hold of Stipe, he's just going to, you know, dominate him. Stipe is a good grappler. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't see a lot from Jones on the striking side. Sure. Good, good um, defensive. You know, he was out of the way of some shots and, yeah. you know, did what he does there. But it'll be interesting if he can't just grab somebody like you know somebody misses a punch and he gets to the back Stipe does present a little bit more of a well-rounded game in my opinion but we haven't seen him in a little while obviously since the Francis fight well and even in the first Francis fight going back but I mean Stipe just has a history in my opinion of 
defying odds, right? Like every time, every time he's been counted out, he's found a way to win. You know, obviously Francis got him in the the second fight there, but, um, you know, but he has never gotten a rematch from that. He mm-hmm. probably deserved it. Um, I do think a little bit of that was the UFC wanting to get Surreal up there, right? Because he was looking so impressive. So I think Stipe earns it. And I do feel like the GOAT versus GOAT thing makes it fun. Um, let's just get it done and over with. Because I know Brandon, and, and I think last night I was exactly where you were. as like, what, what, like, who competes now? But man, when you really think about it, there is some challenges for John Jones here. Like, Sergei Pavlovich, who we talked about last night, we were, had to bring it up, was he was the fill-in. He was mm-hmm. the big mystery fill-in uh, for this fight. Interesting they didn't go with gla- uh, Blades there because they are scheduled to fight each other. So mm-hmm. I think that tells you where they are with Sergei Pavlovich is if he beats Blades, he's probably right in line and next he's the closest up. Thing to do, you think, do you think, how long do you think June sticks around though? That's another thing. He, I mean, dude, the way he's talking, he's might fight three times this year. Like we might, we got him now. Seems like we're going to get in him, get him in July from the way he makes it, makes it seem we're going to see him again this year, three times possibly. Mm. He says he wants to be active. Um, and you know, kind of like we talked about with like Tantiana Suarez last week is why not? Like there's no, mm-hmm. there's no taking it slow. You've lost so much time at this point and he's what, 34, 35 years old, you know? So it's like, get in here, let's get it done. Um, it'll depend on what all he wants too. Cause once you sure. beat, you got the title now and you beat Stipe, Obviously, you didn't have anything to prove before you did sure. this, and once you do that and you've defended it, and it's against the goat, it'll have to be somebody who kind of gets him up. There is definitely some matchups I would love to see. Well, don't forget Tom Aspinall. Yeah, that so that's exactly one. who I, mean, I was going to say. Like yeah. he presents a lot of problems. a lot of problems that Surreal brought, except for he's got the grappling as well, absolutely, and the wrestling. And the foot. I mean, I, yeah, he's just super athletic, super expl- explosive. Um, but yeah, I mean, even like, hey, Curtis Blades could be. Sergey Pavlovich and, and and Blades presents a tough with the yeah. grappling, you know. A well, tough he's, and he's a different guy now with that power he and the strike people he out. Brings. Yeah, so I do still think there is big fights for John Jones, um, as long as they're built right. But um, like I said last night, listening to him talk about the Stipe fight and that whole goat versus goat—that's a super fight, mm-hmm. and that's what we want as fight fans. We should always root for those fights because. As we've mentioned, we don't get those in a lot of other combat sports, you know, when egos and different things. So if you've got two goats saying, like, yeah, let's do this, like, we got to get behind that because it's huge. It's going to be a huge fight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and stick around for the news because we're going to talk about Francis um, and, and, you know, I guess him not playing into all this. So you can stick around for that. But before we move on, boys, um, when this comes out Monday, uh, the million-dollar question for me is do you guys think – John Jones should and deserves to be the number one pound for pound fighter in the UFC. Yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. I don't know if he will. Like when I they put the will. ranking out. I think he will. I think they could I, I could see them doing like something like putting him at number two or something. I think the only there. knock I feel like against him is just inactivity. Inactivity. Yeah, that's I mean, what I'm saying. I think you maybe you see him go to two. But the dude's been fighting for how long? Right. You know, like, no, so. for sure. As, as, as much as you can talk about inactivity, he's been around so long. It's 15 just, straight title fights undefeated. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, that's just nuts, <laughs> man. And and in two weight classes now. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's it's a good... We've had, as John Jones, the, the leader of the John Jones fan club, <laughs> we have had some rough mornings, but today it feels good to wake up a John Jones fan. I have to hit it again. Brandon, do I need to suck it one more time for you? No, go but ahead, I, go ahead. <laughs> I think Brandon needs go to ahead. hear it one more time. We're not <laughs> done with that. We got two words for you. Brandon. 
Mm. I thought you were going to hit the whole yeah real quick. <laughs> yeah, I could hit that as well. Uh, but yes, like I said, just so so over the moon. What a crazy, crazy moment. I could go on about it. Huge moment for the UFC. I mean, uh, yeah. in a time where we, we've seen so much turnover with the top of the... Especially losing Francis, yeah. right? You know what I mean? So uh, having this John Jones now step right into that is huge. And boys, are you ready for the co-main event? Viva la raza! Woo! Yeah. Boys. Alexa Garasso defeating... Valentina Shevchenko via fourth round rear naked choke. Mm. Boys, did this really happen? I mean, I just still, with the John Jones stuff, cannot believe Alexa Grasso defeating Valentina Shevchenko. Saying that today seems nuts. What a performance. Performance of a lifetime uh, by Grasso in this fight. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was really giving Valentina everything she could handle on the feet. Then Valentina taking Grasso down with relative ease, and it seemed like that's kind of how this fight would play out mm -hmm. into a close decision. Like, it was heading towards that, and it was these every round seemed really close, um, but it would ironically be the grappling in the end that would get it done for Grasso. Um, just a beautiful back take. Um, and to me, honestly, this is a great example of what, you know, the jujitsu go Gordon Ryan means when he says, if you can see the back, you can take the back. Um, and Grasso just wasted no time in doing that. Mm -mm. Once the back was exposed, she just jumped on it, smooth as you like. Um, I think this fight, as I mentioned, was 2-2. It probably would have been. I have not seen the scorecards. I guess I should have looked that up. I had it 2-2. We would have been you know, going into the fifth. Mm -hmm. But Alexa Grasso telling the judges, save the ink in those pins, boys, because uh, I'm winning this thing on my own. And now, boys, for the first time since 2018, we have a new women's flyweight champion and the first Mexican-born women's champion. And Mexico now has three simultaneous champions uh, two of them undisputed, one of them with Yair being the uh, interim. Mm -hmm. um, so Mexico stand up because you got another one here in Alexa Grasso. But, boys, how are you feeling about this result? 24, less than 20, 12 hours removed. Uh, I'm a little back and forth. So, like, on the one hand, Grasso, she was landing some big, heavy shots early, right? I remember mm -hmm. it was the first round where uh, she really kind of stumbled Shevchenko. But then as that wrestling started to pick up, like you said, I kind of had a feeling this is the way the fight was going to pan out with sure. the wrestling kind of taking over. Um, and then Shevchenko throws that spinning kick, and it mm -hmm. just was very much reminiscent of Wyman Rockhold. Mm -hmm. And also, for for me, reminiscent of Nunez uh, Pena a little sure. bit. Now, obviously, I think it was a lot more successful for Grasso than it was Pena in terms of the striking, but... Just gotta wonder, man. Like you know, Shevchenko makes one big, one sure. big mistake here and lets it go. Um, the rematch is going to be very, very interesting because mm -hmm. uh, I think they both learned a lot within sure. these those first four four rounds. Was what it was. So, and and John, I know you said uh, Valentina looked almost relieved, um, and I think that's interesting. Um, and this could have kind of been lost a little bit in translation, but um, in her post fight, I feel like I heard her say that maybe she will kind of let the division play out a little bit before she comes back, almost indicating like she was going to take mm -hmm. a little break, which, you know, the relief thing could be a sign of that. Um, but she did say after that she wants the immediate rematch because she felt like she was winning. Um, so that would kind of contradict that a little bit. Right. Um, but I just feel like that was an interesting observation on your part because, you know, we have heard champions in the past like Rose Namajunas almost or not almost saying that losing the belt was a relief and mm -hmm. you have to remember this was a 
um, a reign, a title reign that is just unrivaled in women's mixed martial arts. In mixed martial arts in general, you just don't see this type of championship dominance um, in the history of the sport. Um, and I, I couldn't imagine that pressure, you know, and, and that she's constantly under, not only just to go out and win, <laughs> but to be this, like, assassin, you know, mm-hmm. and, and she's really reinvented the women's game, um, along with, you know, others like, you know, Amanda Nunes and stuff like that. But, yeah, just kind of talk about because I know that was one thing you said. Yeah, you know, and I felt like you kind of seen it with Amanda when she finally lost to her. She's like, oh, I lost. I'll be back. Like, sure. I think once you've won for so long, you know, maybe you kind of lose that fear of losing the title. And then when you lose, it's just like, okay, well, I got to get it back. Sure. Um, because your identity has been a champion for so long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, as far as even the, just the performance, I felt like, you know, at first Valentina was trying to counter, but the boxing, there was a little bit of a discrepancy there. And then Valentina had to go to the ground, gets the... A crucifix where nobody usually gets out of that for her. Yeah. And Alexa Grasso, you know, dogs her way out of that. And then. And there was, man. And I know I said Valentina took her down with ease, but really every time I thought technically off her back, Grasso did do a lot of the right yeah, stuff. Yeah. Attacked you know a I mean? lot, did a lot of. You know, wasn't just sticking to the ground, letting her just kind of be pinned. She did a really good job of getting up. And then, especially when you look at the finish, like like you know, Jacob said, is like it was really just bad defense as well from Valentina there. And there was even that one point where Valentina took Grasso's back, and I'm like, hmm, this could be interesting. Like, let's see what Valentina can do on the back. And honestly, wasn't that impressed with her back off. I mean, I thought Valentina just did not really seem to know what to do there um, once she did have the back. Um, so I don't know if, you know, maybe this grappling coming into it was a bit of a hole there you know that maybe we've just never noticed or maybe she, or maybe just not much of a consideration sure yeah know, i mean you're a, she's a lifelong striker she's been doing kickboxing and all these things her whole life and she's been so far ahead with the striking over all these women that she really didn't have to be so sharp on the ground <clears throat> sure and now she kind of you know i was we've seen these fighters these people evolve and they get so much more training and so much more variety that yeah. you kind of have to be very very technical everywhere yeah and i think it is you know brandon as you kind of said with the pena thing is I felt like that would be kind of a lot of people's thoughts, especially because we have now seen an example of that playing out where Pena comes out, puts the dog on somebody, you know, a dominant champ in Nunez, and then in the rematch, it's like, oh, no, no, let me remind people, you know what I mean, like that it was Mm -hmm. a a bit of a fluke, right, and I do think there are um, some people that are going to look at it that way, but I guess for me today sitting here is I... And, and more so than, I guess, with the Pena Nunez, I feel like from visually watching is there was things that I think Grosso is just better than Valentina at, especially with the hands and just the pure boxing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she's just a more technical boxer, right? Just with, just with the punching, right? You know, the kicks... The whole, you know, if you put everything together, it'd probably still go to Valentina. But um, it just, it will be interesting in a rematch. Uh, should that be next? Should it be with Grasso? I mean, maybe she goes on and maybe Grasso and Blanchfield are next, you know, and who knows what happens yeah. there. But um, one more thing I will, are we going to say something? Yeah, John? I was go just going to yeah. say, it did seem like that, and they said it kind of in the commentary, that it didn't seem like Valentina was ready for Grasso to be in Southpaw. Because they were talking oh, about yeah. how they wanted, yeah. she actually used that body kick from the orthodox stance, and it seems like Grasso made an adjustment sure. um, to come out. Part of her game plan was to be southpaw, and she had to switch a little bit from those leg kicks that Valentina was landing. Yeah, but overall, she did a really good job of sticking to that and just sure. kind of stifling. And, and I don't want to downplay what Pena did. I'm just saying, like visually, you yeah. could see where Pena just put the pace on Nunez, and Nunez just wiltered. That wasn't the case no. here, you know. Uh, Relax Gross was just better tonight. Mm-hmm. And holy cow, did you guys see the picture of 
Valentina's chin from the squeeze. Mm-hmm. Oh, you guys got to see that. Oof. So they've there's like as soon as she let the choke go, there's a picture, and you just see this like white line. Like her whole face is red, and then like her jaw is just ghost white, pale white from how hard that squeeze was from. Um, yeah, once Grasso got that hand behind her head and, and kind so of so impressive centered things up, it looked tight. One more thing I'll say about this. Um, it is going to be interesting to see how much this win by Grosso potentially does open up this division um, because we saw not only in this fight, but also in the Tyler Santos fight that the gap is or seems to be getting closed a little bit, right, between Valentina and the rest of the women in this division. Mm-hmm. And you have to wonder with Grosso um, doing this, how much confidence this is also going to give every other woman in this division because something um, that gets talked about with dominant champions like Valentina is fighters are almost defeated before they even get in there, right? Before the fight even starts because they realize the person they are fighting is this unstoppable force. And now that Garasso has kind of silenced that, uh, though, it, I, I just wonder if all the 125 uh, pounders here, um, they have to feel like there's going to be a, I, I feel like there's going to be a positive kickback mm. from that and just a renewed motivation for all of them, right? It's going to put some life and energy back in, into some of these women. I bet a lot of these, if we could track them come Monday, some of these women are probably going to have the training sessions of their lives because they're just going to oh, be yeah. so motivated. Like, Oh, I can do this. Like, you know what I mean? Um, and, and especially like the story like Garasso, you know, how where she's come in her career is that growth can't happen. And I do believe genuinely, and this is more, this isn't insulting to Valentina because I mean, she's just still so great. But I do feel like the women in all the whole sport as a whole, but especially in this division are getting better, mm-hmm. you know, and that's important as well. Yeah, I think it's... um. I mean, especially when you talk about, like, um, I mean, look at just the girls who beat Garasso probably have sure. to look at this like, a, you know, the improvement she's made. There's a little bit of a blueprint, I feel like, with the, you know, being in Valentina's face and taking away some of that counter-striking she does. And now you kind of see a little bit of a discrepancy if you can get on her back or get in a dominant position. Absolutely. So, and then even just defending, if you can get away from the crucifix, you know, she doesn't quite have as much, like you said, she got on the back and wasn't able to do nearly as much. Yeah. Um, so I think that there is definitely a lot to be excited for if you're in that division or just in general as a women MMA fan. Agreed, boys. Are you ready? The next result, Shahkat Rachmanov defeating Jeff Neal via standing nomad choke. That's what I'm doubling, dubbing it. I mean, uh, boys, I feel like for this fight, we almost have to lead off with how tough Jeff Neal is. Um, and he did have some moments in that third round where he made Shahkat... Uh, Work for it, I'll say. Mm-hmm. You know, turned him a bit back, got him back going in his wrestling. Where Shafkot didn't seem like he was going to use it as much, um, but really, this was just a dominant performance by Shafkot Rachmanov all around, in my opinion. Um, I told you guys, I felt like this was just a heightened sparring session for Shafkot. It seemed like you know, mm-hmm. almost like he was just like, I want to work on my target. Like, just have not, not target practice, but you you swing on me. I want to work on my head movement today. You know, um, and to me, he seemed like he wanted to prove a point that he could beat Neil on the feet. Because other than when Neil had him hurt, he didn't really even try to ever get this thing to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still just as high on him today, if not higher than I was. Um, we saw the chin tested, and some of those shots he just walked through and just ate them. Um, and when you consider what Neil just did to a guy like Vincente Luque, this was mm-hmm. just so impressive from Shavkat, who is now 17-0, and boys, in his MMA career with 17 finishes. That's nuts. That's <laughs> yeah. absolutely nuts. Yeah, and I mean, for me, this is a, a submission of the year candidate, man. The way that he 
put that choke in and just kind of slid it like from behind him, almost like a standing bulldog looking situation. And then it's he steps, the nomad choke. Yeah, the that's nomad what, choke. Sorry. <laughs> and then he steps that leg over and just kind of cinches it in. Like yeah, it was kind of like a. It was more like a standing rear naked, but his legs were like in front of his body, so it was like a weird like bulldog. Kind of like what you do to your brother, like yeah. standing on the yeah. side of the house. Maybe <laughs> we call it the big brother choke. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you've ever seen Friday After Next, it's the the Damon hug when mm. he had both of them hugged up. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I love that analogy. But yeah. Yeah, man, it's just, like you said, he just kind of was doing whatever he wanted, landed some big shots, ate some big shots from Jeff Neal, and actually yeah. had to, he couldn't get the wrestling going at first while he was kind of still hurt, had to settle in, go back, landed three really big jabs that pushed Jeff Neal back, and that's what kind of set up the eventual finish, but... Yeah, I mean, what questions do you have about him now? He eats punches. I mean, Jeff Neal knocks people clean out. Yeah. And we've seen him do it against somebody like, like you said, Vincente Luque, who just doesn't get finished. And he ate those shots and then returned them. And um, Well, and to see a striking performance like that, Brandon, especially when we already know what he's capable of on the ground. I mean... Yeah, yeah. He might have landed like a hundred knees to the body because he was just yeah. he was spamming that over and over. And I mean, shout out to Jeff Neal because usually when guys miss weight and stuff like that, that's the type of stuff that just completely takes away their tank. But Jeff Neal was there the whole time until the eventual finish. When you you talked about like questions being answered, so I you know not only is he capable of eating shots, but the cardio is there, and he's still willing to go for the finish with fifty seconds left in the fight. <laughs> yeah, right? Man. He's not yeah. he's not just going to coast and try to take the win. Sure. Uh, yeah. So he answered a lot of questions with that one as well. And, and yeah, yeah, I mean, and getting back to Neil's toughness there, because there was a point midway through the second round when we were all like, okay, now you got to finish. Like, mm. this is getting a little, but I don't think it was that. I think you just, once again, that credit goes to Jeff Neal's toughness and heart, because like John said, the body shots, the knees that he was landing to his body, that's your easy way out. Jeff mm -hmm. Neal could have fell to a knee. Ref would have stopped it at any point with the damage that he was taking, and he just refused to go down. And then I think Shavkov was like, all right, I got to put this guy to sleep. Like, that's the only way I'm going to get out of here. He said he's ready for the title. Um, so the question is, I guess, when you look at the top of the 170-pound division, where do you guys think, and we'll start with Brandon, does Shavkov fit in? Well, I don't have the 170-pound division pulled up right in front of me, but looking at it now, uh, <laughs> I think Bilal makes some sense because he's not booked. And then I know last time we also talked about, well, no, he was the big one because Brady's coming off the loss. Thompson yeah. doesn't want it. Burns it's really Colby or Bilal. Colby, I, yeah. I mean, Colby's the, the other one. Yeah. You know, I really like Colby. I th it'd I think, be interesting. I think between Colby and Bilal, I'd prefer Colby just because Colby's higher ranked. Yeah. Well, which would you rather see there, John? Uh, I mean, I, I agree with the Colby, but something's who wrong. knows when Colby's yeah, going to fight. Yeah, there's something going on. I don't know if it's this legal stuff, if something's like maybe the whole the whole attack thing from Masvidal just kind of really messed with sure. his head, but he's not even talking about anything. And you know Bilal will take that fight. Right, He'll and Bilal was one of the, you know, I'll take Hamza, I'll take whoever, right. and it just kind of didn't work out. But Bilal needs a, a marquee win right here because people aren't really bringing him up in these conversations for who can get to the title next. Yeah, and I know some people think Hamzat uh, should get that. Or, you know, a lot of people want to see Hamzat versus Shavkat. Um, but I just honestly do not want to see that fight unless it's for a title yeah. or like a clear-cut number one contender fight. Um, because it just, to me, that's the only way a massive fight like that makes sense. Like, why why kill one of those guys off right now, right? Like, especially when we don't even know what Hamzat's future is, if it is even at 170 pounds, you know. It's kind of seeming like it's going to be at 185 anyways, but um, I know even Shavkat uh, addressed or uh, took some uh, 
Hamzat questions this week in the build up to the fight and said he'd be willing to do it if it happened. You know, he wouldn't say no to it, but mm-hmm. let's save that for a big well, super fight or something. What's crazy. interesting about that is in the embeddeds, uh, I don't know if it was in the embeddeds or I seen it on social media, but Shavkat has kind of alluded to, you know, possibly going up at some point. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe that's what it sets up. He gets the title. Maybe you do, yeah. do the super fight. Like there's a lot of, a lot of storyline you can create there with that. But, it, but we don't know what's going on with Hamza. We, we shouldn't wait. So if somebody is available, whether it's Bilal or Colby, I'm definitely down to see that. What are you going to say? Mm-mm. Yeah, I guess for me, it's just kind of like imagine if we could have. I mean, they would never because they were training partners and best friends and everything. But it's be like Habib versus Islam. You know, like yeah. you, you wouldn't just throw those guys together. Like that needs to be a big, massive yeah. fight. You know, like just, you said, either one of them has to have a title or something like There has to be some higher stakes because yeah. that'd be massive. And before we move on, boys, the top three featured fights on this call, card, all ending in submission, is jujitsu back in mixed martial arts? That's what I need to know. Yeah, well, I mean, we didn't even talk about how um, weird the Jones finish was as far as like getting him up against the cage and just working that front headlock yeah. to eventually get that guillotine. But just saying, there might be something there. Yeah. And well, I also, real quick, I, I wanted to mention uh, Dana said it in the post is that usually he doesn't give fight bonuses to guys who yeah. just wait and they lose some of their purse. Sure. But he said, there's no way I could have kept that fight of the night bonus away from, from Jeff uh, Neal being Jeff. able to yeah. get to it. They got so. fight of the night. Yeah. Fair enough. Whatever. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't like that. Honestly, if I'm being candid a little bit, I give I mean, it to him with yeah, you missed weight, man. I just I feel like there. I mean, there's just uh, I know you could say like, who am I to say that about missing weight or talk about it? But uh, that's the sport, and I think like we you missed look, it by like three pounds. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't even like close. And you know, a guy like Izzy, you know, I love what Izzy said about you know there. We don't need to be. We need to be raising those fines, right? We need mm-hmm. to make it worse and a little bit more detrimental for a guy losing or not showing up and, and making weight and. Jeff Neal, Neal giving up, what, 20, 30% of his purse, whatever mm-hmm. it was, but also going home with $50,000. So yeah. I don't really think that. I mean, whatever. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> we'll stay out of that. Next result, boys. Matej Gambrot defeating Jalen Turner via split decision. Gamrot boys, finds a way to get it done. Uh, mm-hmm. This was a very close fight. Really with the first two rounds especially, just were so close. And me personally, um, I think there was a case for either guy in this fight. Um, Turner definitely had Gamrot in some trouble mm-hmm. um, in this fight, ex- especially in that second round. But at the end of the round, Gamrot found a way uh, to get the fight to the ground at the end. And the judges thought, it was enough, well, at least two of them, to steal it away from Turner. I don't know. It's so hard because it was literally like 50% of the, that second round, I feel like, was Turner had Gamrot on the ropes, right? Chasing around the ring, landing mm-hmm. big shots. And then the other 50% was Gamrot uh, on top of Turner doing some damage. Um, but then in the third, he Gamrot really kind of took it to another level mm-hmm. uh, with the takedowns and level changes and the clinch game um, and just really took the space away, I thought, from Turner there in that third round. Um, and to me, seemed like a performance from a guy who was just on a different level mm-hmm. um, and just kind of showed the young guy who's on the rise that there is levels to this game a little bit, right? Because I do think there was some small fight IQ things there for Turner mm-hmm. that I think he can look back on and fix and just come back better. I still think the ceiling is super high for Jalen Turner. Uh, but good for Gamrot uh, on taking a tough fight like this on short notice against a guy who's just been tearing through yeah. everybody. 
And he, I mean, he has to be a nightmare to prepare for. Like I was telling Brandon last oh, night. Oh, how do you? I mean, like you, you have to bring in a welterweight because yeah, there's not fifty fivers his size. Yeah, like, probably middleweights. There's nothing you can. And then <laughs> even with huge. that, those guys aren't going to be as you know fast and um, just as lanky. Like they won't be the same as Jalen Turner. So yeah. to kind of for Gamera, I think it was how do I put together my striking against this guy who has so much reach um, and is just such a, a, a hard puzzle to crack. But I thought that, like you said, in the third, I thought Turner made some mistakes that that cost him in a close decision. I, I thought the judging scorecards were kind of weird because they weren't consistent. It was 29-28, 28-29, and a 30-27. Mm-hmm. So I'd be interested to see what those scorecards look like as far as what rounds. But, you know, Gamrot having almost seven minutes of control time did a really good job once he was on top of Turner. Turner struggled to get up in those the end of those some of those rounds so i think that's kind of what did it but for turner i think you learn a good lesson here as far as what to work on you know where there's some holes in your game and i mean he's i mean there's nothing wrong it's 24 with years yeah old. they're 24 and you just lost to a guy who was in a title like a yeah. title eliminator fight sure. on short notice and it was a close fight so there's nothing but good things can come from the lessons learned in this for turner in my opinion yeah i completely agree nothing but going up from here i mean i think it was the third round nate you were going you were up in arms because he threw like a a knee oh, off of gosh. a single leg defense that Gamera head wasn't shot. even on the right yeah, side. Something yeah. like that. You know, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of good moments too, though. Turner was oh, able to get up geez. quite a few times. He yeah. obviously rocked Gamera. So, I mean, he showed that he definitely belongs in there with a guy like Gamera, but he just needs a little tweaking in some of the wrestling areas. And he, I almost equated a little bit with like Yair and Edgar, like, Yes, that was a fairly dominant performance by Edgar, but look at Yair now. He's right. clearly learned from yeah. those from that loss and made some big adjustments, and I think Turner will be just the same. The power that Turner carries, especially in those straight punches, is just nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, he is going to be a problem for anybody he goes up against. A um, lot to learn and grow there. And then I also think for Gamrot, once again, taking it on shorter notice, um, I think this win keeps him right at the top of this division, which... We talked about it at nauseum. With as competitive as this division is, you need to be at the top of it. You need to be winning fights, um, and that's exactly what he did. And and just like I said, to me, just showed the different level of where we are, maybe in that top ten to top five range between some of these guys. Yeah, and it's good for Turner because when you have guys like Sarukian and some other guys in this division who are going to have a similar game plan or a similar skill set, you need to see that now, Boy. even even at the top with Islam. I agree, boys. Bo Nickel. Defeating Jamie Pickett via first round head and arm choke. Uh, Bo just makes quick work here against Pickett. Um, But I do think the million dollar question today is, uh, is he the real deal? And did this answer questions? Maybe any questions? Because there was, I mean, he's looked great, but I feel like we didn't know where it was going to be in the UFC, right? Once he started facing UFC level caliber. Yes, for me, he answered the question as far as how is is his grappling really as good as we thought it was in terms of can can he take down somebody, like you said, in the UFC, pretty well experienced, um, which he can. He was able Mm -hmm. to handle it completely on the ground, but I still have no freaking clue if this guy can strike. Mm. Not one. Yeah, and I know that Pickett's team has said that they're going to try to... um, go try to get it like a no contest appeal. for that knee appeal for that knee because it, yeah. it did look like it was right up the middle and low and his reaction was um immediate which i guess people react like that in the stomach as well but they it didn't even get addressed they didn't replay it they didn't bring it up um but yeah, yeah the like, only thing i could think there is the ref just had a good look at it and maybe we didn't i don't yeah. know but regardless i mean he had to he did a really good job transitioning once he was on his back and even that choke he had to settle it in and do some adjustments so there's still a little bit of 
um, technique. It's sad. It's crazy. As as much as he's dominating people, it's not even with like the cleanness of technique as far as like applying that choke. So mm-hmm. as he gets better and gets more um, experience. Who knows? But like you said, when we didn't see somebody stuff for the takedown or, or see him get like have to strike and, and really prove himself there. And I and I'm not a striker, so that I'm kinda asking you guys this, but there was a small moment before he initiated a takedown in the fight where you see Bo kind of throw out just just not trying to land anything, but just almost like a like shadow boxing, throwing a stray and then a left hook. And I don't in my opinion, I don't feel like you see people who are comfortable striking throwing those kinds of almost like shadow boxing type punches mm-hmm. in the middle of a fight. Does well, a lot of times that's throwing something in front of their face so you can shoot. Yeah, that's kind of what I was about. That's exactly <laughs> but the problem is against high level strikers. That's two shots that keep you open to getting countered or, sure. or something mm-hmm. else. So we'll just have to see how far they move him up after this. Cause obviously you have him on the main card now, so it doesn't get any easier from here. Mm-hmm. You can't slow walk this at this point. So, uh, and he's not the young, I mean, he's still young, but I mean, 4-0, you got to just, now at this point, you got to kind of give him another name if you're going to keep him on the main card. Do you give so. him a top 15? Maybe. I mean, he feels like he's ready. It seems like Dana White thinks he's ready for, for some big stuff. So, I mean, if he feels like it and they feel like he's ready for it, then why not? Mm. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, I guess I was impressed, um, kind of getting back to the original there, with, with just him chaining the submissions together. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely shows that's, that is something he is, you know, well adapted to and getting better at. You know, if Pickett defended one thing, he just went right to the next <clears throat> available submission. Um, but I just don't know that we did get a lot of answers, especially in the striking, as Brandon said. Um, I am impressed with how fast i guess i will say and easily he beat a guy with a lot of mixed martial arts experience but even more so ufc experience Mm -hmm. um and i'm definitely not trying to undersell how good i think he is or he's going to be but i just think it is a a reminder right that bo is still a work in progress and there is still i think we can kind of maybe temper see like you said top 15 i I mean it's hard to say no when he just did what he did Mm -hmm. right like i said i don't want to undersell it but i don't think for a guy like bo just to like, maybe we do give him somebody that's going to challenge him more on the feet. Just, you know, it doesn't have to be like a, you know, crazy, you know, anything crazy. But maybe we do give him somebody that, you know, could defend or take down. But even that, that's going to be hard to find. Yeah. Somebody who can defend his Who takedowns. can defend his takedowns. Yeah. I mean, that, that it's going it, to, and maybe that's what he rides all the way to a title. And if, and it's kind of like Alex Pedeta, right? I mean, if you can go out there and just knock everybody out and it gets you to the title in the fastest way possible, who are we? <laughs> yeah, and and it's interesting too because we've seen the UFC play guys differently. You see Hamzat got played a certain way. You've seen Patty get played a certain way. Sean O'Malley get played a certain way, and then you have Alex Pajeda who got fast tracked. And we've seen other guys kind of get. I mean, even Hamzat went from bottom of the welterweight all the way up getting the Burns fight. So mm. it'll just be interesting to see if they have a matchup for him or if people even take the matchup because. Just like you said, it's hard to find somebody who's going to stuff those takedowns. It's probably going to be hard to get guys who want to get in there with a the guy who they know they're going to struggle with on the wrestling side yeah. and risk their ranking. Couple prelim results, boys. Cody Garbrandt defeating Trevin Jones uh, via unanimous decision. Uh, Cody Garbrandt hadn't won a fight since 2020. Uh, was just one in one win, had just one win in his last six. Um, he talked kind of fight week about mentally not being focused in his last fights, and you know, just kind of felt that he had refound that in this fight. But regardless of his future, you know, where I think Cody Garbrandt's ceiling is now 
in this stage of his career. I just think good for him, man, mm-hmm. to get back in there, get in the win column, you know, overcome whatever he was dealing with outside the cage. You know, I see a lot of people being a little critical of the performance, but, you know, especially against talent um, like Trevin Jones, you know, but it's like, I know we it's hard for us because we remember the Cody Garbrandt that was in there doing the robot against Dominic Cruz, right? right. But he, that's not him anymore, right. um, unfortunately. Um, not to say he, maybe he can't get back there, but he's just not there right now. So to overcome whatever it was he was dealing with, you know, some of the stuff with his wife he talked about, um, whatever, just to get back in there and get a win is mm-hmm. good for him. And I think coming back up to Bantamweight is definitely the move yeah. for him as well. Yeah, the 25 so. experiment experiment was not a uh, a good one uh, boys this fight uh i, I think i'm going to give it to it drikas duplacy defeating Derek brunson via second round tko the corner boys throws in the towel at the bell literally mm-hmm. uh to kind of save brunson a bit there but the damage had kind of been done there uh who i mean because he was just eating them um yeah. unresponsive I know Herb Dean gets a lot of crap sometimes for like, but this was a little bad by Herb. I mean, you could kind of see Brunson. I mean, didn't even have his guard locked up. It was just kind of, you could see his eyes were all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, Duplacy just has this way of making every fight he's in look like this. Yeah. Um, I, I don't ever, I don't think he's tired. I mean, regardless of how he looks in there, um, but these types of performances, like I said, they're just coming a, becoming a bit of a trademark for him, yeah. right? Looks exhausted. Just overwhelmed Brunson here, though, with pressure. And that kind of, the best way I can describe it is just that herky-jerky kind of style of yeah. striking. Um, and that's, like I said, I don't know any other way of describing his style. It's very unique. Um, but it's gotten him to seven straight wins, and he just beat the number five ranked guy mm-hmm. in the world. I don't know how far you guys think he can make it in this middleweight division with this type of style and just these performances because they're exciting, they're fun, and he's winning. Um, But it's worked so far, like I said. Um, I guess so where do you guys maybe think or how do you think he matches up with kind of the top of the middleweight because I think that's where he's heading next. You just beat the number five ranked guy in the world. There's not much real estate looking up than the top five. Yeah, man, it's interesting. Um, what I was telling, because we were talking to Brandon about it last night, and it's like the first round was this like grappling, like sweeps and attempts, uh, submissions, and then the second round comes out, and Duplessis just at one point looks like he's, like you said, like we see this, it's like the Oliveira thing where it's like he gets knocked down every fight, but then he wins. This guy looks like he's about to gas out, and then he just finds another gear and just kind of overwhelms people. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's what he did in this fight. And it's, but it's interesting because those moments where it looks like he's gassed, I wonder how dangerous that is against uh, Jared Cannonier yeah, I don't know. or Paulo Costa. But I don't know if he's Whitaker. really gassed. I really don't. Right. Uh, yeah. I think it's just kind of his style sometimes, but it lo- I don't know. I don't, yeah. It's weird. It's unique. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very hard to get a, a read on because, like, how does he win this yeah. against some of these tough guys? But he finds a way to beat everybody that he's fought so far. Yeah, I, to, I don't have an answer to your question. My, yeah. my, an, my answer is I just will keep watching and see if he can continue to do what he's doing because the higher up the ladder he goes, the harder it's going to be. Real quick, boys, one more I have to mention. Ian Gary defeating San Kanan via third-round TKO overcomes does Gary, uh, Ian Gary, Ian Machado Gary. Yes, thank forgive you. Forgive me. Um, getting dropped there in the first round by 
nice song, uh, really nice shot, sends Gary to the mat. Um, but that was literally the only minute of this fight that he lost because outside of that, it was just a beautiful striking performance by Ian Gary. Um, and that finishing sequence was just violent. Mm -hmm. I still think the future is extremely bright and high for him, and I'm excited to see him get higher competition next time. But I think we are looking at a future contender there. He just, every time he's in there, he impresses yeah. me even more. And it's exciting for the welterweight division to have somebody like him keep keep building up like that. Brandon, update us on our score. All right, Nate. I don't think this is a good night for Brandon, I feel like. Well, the fun, I was updating these at 3 a.m., and I forgot that the last three we were doing one-pointers. Just one point. I thought I was doing all three. <laughs> Dude, I, I had like 12 points. I was <laughs> so like, happy. Yes. And then I was like, oh, crap. So anyway, Nate, you were the leader. You had eight points last night. You're at 19. John, you come away with five, so you have 15, and I had four, so I'm at 13. So we have 19, 15, and 13. What can I say, boys? The rich get richer. Let's <laughs> keep it rolling because I got more money to make this week. The UFC Fight Night this Saturday, March 11th. And this one, boys, is coming from the brand uh, a brand new venue for the UFC. It is the Theater at Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, mm. And this also has a 6 p.m. Eastern Standard main card start time. So don't forget that. Um, apparently, there is a, I think, a Knights, uh, Las Vegas, the hockey team. Uh, T-Mobile, so they couldn't, I don't nice. know, something like that. Uh, but, boys, this is a main event I'm excited for. Number two ranked Pyotr Jan versus number three ranked Mayrob Dwalashvili in the Bantamweight division. Um, boys, Pyotr Jan comes into this matchup on a bit of a shaky run in the UFC, it has to be said. Since the illegal knee to Aljamain Sterling, which cost him his Bantamweight title, Pyotr Jan has won just one fight in his last three and is actually on a two-fight losing skid right now with those two losses being the rematch with Aljo for the title and his split decision loss to Sean O'Malley back in October most recently. His opponent, Marab Dwalashvili, comes in on an eight-fight win streak. His last win was over Jose Aldo in August of last year. Um, this is Marab's first UFC main event and by far his biggest fight. I think there is more on the line here with a Mayrob win than a Jan win. Uh, Mayrob is obviously friends and training partners with the current champ, Aljamain Sterling, but Sterling has made it very clear that he is willing to step aside if Mayrob earns a title shot. Um, and with Sean O'Malley also waiting in the wings, I think if Mayrob wins, we may see them have to square off in that number one contender match, mm -hmm. as opposed to if Jan were to win, I think O'Malley would probably be within his right to wait for the winner of Cejudo Aljo, having just beat Piotr Jan. Um, so that's what I mean by I just think Mayrob a win creates a very for Mayrob creates a very interesting situation at the top of this division um, as you would have him and O'Malley well within their rights to stake a claim um, but then I would also argue that a loss here would be pretty catastrophic in my opinion for Jan I mean mm -hmm. if you were to go on a three fight losing streak in this division which we voted the best division in the UFC that's three fight losing streak to three different top fighters in this division Plus, you'll have either Cheeto or Sanhagen waiting in the wings after that. Um, I could really, or it could really uh, send Jan spiraling in a division that, like I said, we, we know how tough and competitive this division is. And even when you start getting down to like 10, I mean, it's still tough down there. So I think there's some high stakes on the line here mm -hmm. uh, for both guys, right? So uh, we will start, though, for picks with our last place guy, Brandon. Who you got? Okay, this is this card has a lot of really <laughs> tough fights yes. to pick for. On um, mm -hmm. this one included, I've gone back and forth all weekend. Um, I agree. I, I'm not <laughs> when I say what I'm about to say. I'm not confident. Yeah. In it, okay. 
Um, I'm a little bit of a lonely heart for Jan, so I'm going to take Piotr. Um, I think that he's a little more dynamic than Aldo. I think if Dwabashili is going to win, it's going to be a lot like his Aldo fight where he's a lot of pushing Jan up against the cage, mm -hmm. making it a much, much of a clinch fight, um, trying to make it dirty with the wrestling. But I think Jan is just dynamic enough with his grappling and his striking to kind of offset that. We've seen Dwabashili being hurt by... Uh, Marlon Marais and kind of come back and win. So I think Jan has the capability to do that, but I don't think it's going to be a, a, a finish. I think Bobashili is too tough. So I'll say Jan, I'll take him by decision. John, who you got? Yeah, this is, a, I mean, I agree with you on the, the tough side of this. Uh, I do think what's interesting is, um, Marab obviously will spam that takedown, but there has been guys who've been able to stuff a very high majority of them. Um, Aldo stuffed a lot of those, um, his takedown attempts. Ricky Simone, who knocked out Marab, stuffed like, I think he was like four for 22 on him. And I think Jan has some ability to do that with obviously how he looked against Aljamain to be able to do that. But I don't know if Marab has the same back attack um, arsenal as somebody like Sterling has. Um, I do think Jan can definitely more than hold his own, obviously, on the feet. And I think we've seen Marab kind of get a little bit um, flustered with some people who can strike. And like you said, we've seen him get hurt a couple times and get knocked out. I'm going to go with Peter Jan here, and I was going to go decision, but since you took it, I will say uh, fourth-round TKO. I think he can wear on him and stuff those takedowns, and I think he just has a little bit more to offer with the grappling side. We're noting Jan has a 90% takedown defense. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things I'm looking at in this fight is the contrast between Jan, who is typically a slow starter, and then Mayrob, whose nickname is literally the machine, and that's what this guy is. I mm -hmm. mean, he comes out from second one and doesn't stop. Um, now, it will be interesting to see how that could hold up over five rounds, because we know Jan is very capable of going deep, um, and he he has not only so much five-round experience, but also championship five-round experience. So the moment won't be too big for a guy like him where, you know, that question mark might be there a little bit more for a guy like May Rob. I do think this is going to be a very close, very competitive fight, but I do like May Rob here. Um, I like that his training partner and current champ, Aljo, has fought Jan twice and has had a lot of time in the cage with Piotr Jan. That also means that May Rob's team and coaches uh, coaches have had time prepping for Jan and an understanding of his game and how to beat him. I know you said 90% takedown defense, Brandon, but the 10% there that is, is Aljamain Sterling probably, you mm. know what I mean? Um, so what better guy getting you ready for this fight than him? Um, I also think it's good timing for this fight uh, for Mayrob in terms of Piotr's style because Mayrob just beat Aldo, who also utilizes a very heavy, in that fight especially, utilized a heavy Muay Thai style in that fight, and Mayrob was able uh, to get the win there. And, you know, Piotr kind of fights in that similar kind of Thai style, you know, obviously being a, a Tiger Muay Thai guy. Um, and Aldo in that fight... Um, had a very low output like we've seen from Jan in five-round fights and against a guy like Mayrob who doesn't stop coming forward with the heavy pace and hands. Then he's mixing in the takedowns. You can kind of steal away close rounds like that from Pewter, I think, because that's what I think kind of happened in the O'Malley fight, you know. Um, but I do like the decision here for Mayrob. I think it will be close. I, I agree with Brandon. I think a finish here is, is tough for both guys. I would probably say... Piotr is the more likely to finish if I had to put it on somebody, but I think Mayrob can withstand it and just really just put the pace and pressure on him. And, and like I said, I, I just I love the Aljo aspect of this, um, especially the two fights. And, I mean, this team is just well adapt. And then plus coming on off a fight against a guy who utilized a similar style. Mm -hmm. uh, who has the co-main event? So you, are you taking decision? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I said decision. Okay. Who, who's got our co-main event? 
All right. Let's go. In our co-main event, we have a great matchup, the Battle of the Alexanders. As yeah. Alexander Volkov is coming off a win Alexander last Ball. June over Zarzinho Rosenstroik and is 5-2 and two in his last seven against all-ranked opponents, whereas Alexander Romanov is looking to rebound off his first career loss last August by majority decision to Marcin Tibera. Um, before that loss, Romanov had won five in a row in the UFC and was 16-0. and 0. Uh, Volkov will need to use his length and striking to keep Romanov at bay because Romanov is a suplex machine who will be looking to dump Volkov at any and all times. But obviously Volkov has a lot more experience against top-level guys, and Romanov obviously has the the potential the factor of that. So I think this will be the classic striker versus grappler, and it'll be interesting to see who can get their game off. Brandon, who are you taking? I'm going to take Romanov here. I think he's going to utilize his wrestling. His last loss against Iberia, I, I think cardio had a lot to do with that, but he mm-hmm. was still managed to get, I think, six takedowns in that fight. Yeah, so he 10-edited him that first yeah, round. So I'm going to take Romanov here. I think he gets it done with the wrestling. I'll say decision for Romanov. John, who you got? I'm going to take Romanov as well because I think he's going to follow what Curtis Blades did to Volkov and just really dominate. He gets to that leg real easy, and I think Romanov can do that as well. I will take Romanov by third-round TKO. Yeah, this is one of the smallest heavyweights versus one of the biggest, which is kind of funny. Um, but Height, I, uh, Height-wise? Yeah, just height, reach, everything. Uh, but I still think the ceiling is pretty high for Romanov. Mm-hmm. I know he's, like you said, coming off that Tibera loss, Cardio definitely was an issue, but it's also important to remember that that fight was in Utah, yeah, and I think alt- yeah, the altitude might have caught him out there a little bit, uh, because like you just said, John, 10-8 Tiberio in that first round, and was, to me, a better representation of what we've seen from Romanov. I mean, why are we putting heavyweights at high altitude anyways? Like, <laughs> imagine putting a heavyweight title fight at 7,000 feet above sea level. We're looking at you, UFC 188, Cain Velasquez. <laughs> yeah, I was about to no, say, <laughs> Fabrizio and Kane. I digress. I digress. Let, let's just stop that it's madness we do not yeah. need to be putting heavyweights above sea level nobody wants to see, see that. that for the featherweights or something man come on uh but volkov is obviously a very dangerous striker he's long rangy um john you said uh you looked at the um curtis, uh, blades. curtis blades fight i look at the aspinall fight in mm-hmm. this in the same ways he was able to take volkov down um i don't see where romanov can't do that same thing aspinall definitely a better boxer and was able to kind of set everything up off the hands but romanov um is just such an imposing threat more so mm-hmm. than i think even than aspinall uh volkov does usually only lose to elite level guys so we will find out a lot about romanov i think in this fight um, but i am going to pick him and i like him by first round submission yeah um, i think the longer the fight goes the better advantage for volkov just because the cardio does possibly is a thing we'll find out um but yeah i do like romanov here yeah, he's. It's definitely going to be interesting because Volkov could not get off, cannot get blades up off of him, and I think Romanov is even right. huger than that. So. Last fight we're picking for Brandon. Take it away. All right, give me a second. I'm gonna get off this notes page. F- no, you're good. The fight is Saeed Nurma- Saeed, not related to Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Jonathan Martinez. All right, so in this fight we have Saeed and Jonathan Martinez. Saeed is six and one in the UFC, ranked number fourteen, while Jonathan Martinez is. Eight and three in the UFC with an overall record of seventeen and four. Um, Saeed is coming off his uh, late submission win over. I'm going to butcher his name. Um, uh, Saeed Yokub. Yep, Kakramanov. Yep, and uh, he also has beaten Douglas Cleveland Deandrade. Um, in that last fight with Saeed, we were able to see him kind of dig deep and weather some adversity. Um, but he, in my opinion, that fight showed that with Saeed, you have to be perfect against him because mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. second you make a one little mistake, he's on top of it. Yeah. So that's to be said with Saeed. Um, Martinez is coming off of his TKO win over Cub Swanson where he just lit Cub's leg up. Mm-hmm. So he utilized a lot of diverse striking in that fight and showed some good grappling as well. So this this fight has striking written 
all over it. These yeah. guys are really dynamic strikers, so don't let the Nurmagomedov name confuse you because yeah. <laughs> he likes to strike. Um, but in this fight, guys, I really like Saeed here. Again, I think that Martinez has to fight the perfect fight in order sure. to win, and I don't know that he can do that. So I'm going to take Saeed, and I'm going to take him by third-round submission. Okay, nice. John, who you got? Uh, I actually like Jonathan Martinez in this fight. I like his leg kicks. I love his style. He's very gritty. He gets in your face. And I think he has... Um, I mean, he has a better takedown average and uh, uh, accuracy than Saeed. We talked about that last night. You kind of don't remember how um, how much he's not necessarily a Naraga made off as you would think. Um, but I, I really do think Jonathan Martinez has a lot of potential. Um, he's had a really good run these past four fights against some, some good guys, and especially that last performance against Cub. So I'm going to take Jonathan Martinez by second-round TKO. I think this is going to be a close stand-up battle. I mean, mm -hmm. you guys kind of set it up there already. Um, Saeed's so good at fighting from the outside, always circling, bouncing on his toes. Then Martinez is just so dangerous coming forward, um, and he's so good at mixing in all aspects of the striking with the punches, kicks, knees, elbows. Um, and I think if it does play out on the feet, which I really think it will, I like Martinez in this fight as well. I think Saeed's best weapons are his movement and the spinning attacks. I mean, mm -hmm. without a doubt, the guy spins for a living, right? <laughs> yeah. And the best way to stop those attacks are with leg kicks as John mentioned and in Saeed's only UFC loss to Hani Barcelos we saw Barcelos really utilize those leg kicks and slow Saeed and it really did seem to have an effect on him and man I don't know if anyone has more lethal leg kicks in this division than Jonathan Martinez who trains at Factory X with Mark Montoya where they just breed nastiness and especially mm -hmm. with those leg kicks you look at a guy like Chris Gutierrez as well um, everyone on that team just utilizes them to great effect um, Saeed may look to actually try to wrestle and take down here. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and I do think Martinez will have to be careful in those grappling exchanges. Um, Saeed is just so dangerous there, especially locking in those guillotines. As I told you guys, when guys are really hanging on to those single legs, he's just so good at that. Um, but a lot of those... Or excuse me, but um, but weight has been an issue, I mean, for Martinez in the past. So mm -hmm. that's something we're going to have to watch as we go into fight week. But if it plays out the way I think it will, um, I do like Jonathan Martinez. And I will take him by unanimous decision. Are we uh, still going to do the Kroilov span? And Yep, I was just getting ready to mention that. Also on this card, okay. um, yeah, you're fine. We had uh, the rescheduled bout between Ryan Span and Nikita Kroilov moved from last week to this card. Um, we, will, we will not preview that again, so if you want to hear our picks and breakdown and all that, just go back two episodes. You can hear it. Um, our picks, however, will remain for that. Um, they will stand. Um, unless either you want to change your pick, you're more than within your right to do that. Um, is you want to read them out real quick? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Okay, so Nate, you had Span by Round one KO. Good John, you had Span round three knockout, and I had Croylove two round two submission. Okay, yeah, I'm good with that. Okay. And another fight we have to mention on this card, boys, is Wavy Davy is yeah. back as he takes on Rafael yeah. Sunsau. Both men coming in off victories, and that should be a fun one to watch. On the early prelims, John, let's get into the news. Going on the news. Mm. Going on the news. Mm -mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. The news. <laughs> Okay. Dana White asked uh, about the prospect of re-signing Francis Ngannou after negotiations that fell through earlier this year. He responded saying, no, we negotiated in with him for years. It's over. That's over. He'll never be in the UFC again. Later, doubling down saying, I never say never, but I'll give you a never on that one. We tried. What do you guys think about this uh, statement by Dana White? Yeah, I think the most unfortunate thing about all this um, is now that Jones is our new champion, uh, there's no longer or there is no bigger fight in the heavyweight division 
in the UFC and possibly in all of combat sports than John Jones versus Francis Ngannou right mm-hmm. now. Um, especially now while both men are not just active, but they're in their fighting prime. Um, and I'm not trying to uh, discredit or disrespect Stipe in that in any way because I think there is a lot of validity, as I said earlier, in that fight. But Jones and Ngannou is the biggest fight that they can make right now, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, I feel like Dana saying this, like I told you guys last night, it's probably true, um, especially when you look at guys like Paul Daly, who, like I said, when Dana said never again, it was never again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, that's the most unfortunate thing in all of this is we'll never, if if he is to be believed, which I do think we have to believe him, um, that fight will never happen, in, at least in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, it, it sucks. Like, that's a fight that I really like to see. Um, but again, like Nate said, if, if he says it and he's kind of that concrete with it, I have no reason to not believe him. And I think... As, as as crappy as that is, I can also understand it. You know, they lost in Ghana, but they're gaining Jones in that division. So mm-hmm. it, there's a little bit of silver lining, I suppose. So, but it is what it is. Yeah, I think it becomes interesting if Francis Ngannou goes out and does this boxing match and, and raises his stock even more. Because the Paul Daly thing is true, but Paul Daly like punched somebody after the bell and got cut. This is a money talks with Dana White. We know that. He also said Cejudo wasn't going to just jump in and get a title shot right off of nothing. And we've seen that happen it's as a fair, well. That's a fair point. So it, it becomes interesting if, if Francis can gain some stock and like have a boxing match or do something big like MMA fight, Deontay Wilder or whatever... It's going to be really hard for Dana White to pass on the opportunity if it's still there within the next year or so, in my opinion. I agree. And I just think there's just no bigger fight. Like no. I said, not even in the promotion, just in the UFC, but in combat sports right now than Francis Ngannou versus, versus John Jones. I mean, maybe in heavyweight ever. Yeah. In, in, in MMA and, and even some of the boxing matches. Like, it's just the two scariest men on the planet, and we might not get to see it. But like I said, I would not be surprised if in a year and some change, maybe, that's a possibility because it's just a huge money fight. Sure. Uh, moving on, uh, Patty Pimblett said in an interview that it's been rumored that Jude Brober said, yeah, to fight me in May 6th, but I'm getting surgery on my ankle the 7th of March, so I won't even be able to spar until after that date. It's too far away to say I'll fight him or somebody else because people are going to fight each other and win or lose in that amount of time it takes me to come back, so I don't know who I'm going to fight, which I didn't even know he had an issue with his ankle. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, so that puts him out, which puts a, a, a small handful of guys out, whether it's him or like the Hamza or the Islam for the Ramadan. So sure. I think the lat- latter half of the year, it's a lot of star power there. It could be um, some fight announcements. We have Jessica Andrade versus Jan Chanan at UFC 288. Hold on real quick. You heard it, Brandon. John just campaigned for Patty versus Islam at the end of the year. Please. I'm, cli- I'm clipping that. Yeah, please. I mean, <laughs> that's a dream matchup. <laughs> Go ahead, Sean. Uh, bare Knuckle announcing... No, two- what, what, what was that one you just said? Sorry, oh, I stepped Je- all over it. Jessica Andrade versus Jan Xiaonan at oh, UFC okay. 288. Um, gotcha. Hopefully, Andrade can make a, a turnaround and Jan, obviously... Boy, the contrast, right? Yeah. You remember going into the... Uh, uh, a Blanchfield yeah. fight, it was Jessica Andrade was like, I'm calling my shot. I'm going to pick which champion I want to face if it's 15 mm-hmm. 25. And now she's fighting Yan Shanon. She's got a tough fight. Yan Shanon looked really great her last, you know, wow. the last couple. It, it could be. It's crazy how quick it can turn, man. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, Bare Knuckle announcing two huge fights with Mike Perry versus Luke Rockhold. Two huge signings. Yeah. The uh, Rockhold making his debut. And then Chad Mendez will fight Eddie Alvarez as he's going to make his debut in Bare Knuckle. Mm hmm. 
Um, yeah, Rockhold and Alvarez just, I mean, bare knuckle continuing to add to their roster, man. Yeah, I don't know where they're finding, I, I mean, because all these guys say they made so much more than they did in the UFC, so I don't know where bare knuckle is finding this uh, this cash flow, but it's exciting for people who are fans of these guys who just sure. aren't at the same level of MMA. And I know we talked about Eddie as a free agent to possibly be in the Ultimate Fighter and some other things, but uh, it's glad to see him, and um, those are just some good names to watch. Uh, the last thing I have is later after recording last week's episode, uh, we had Tommy Fury meeting Jake Paul in the ring uh, in a back and forth affair. I saw both guys having moments, both guys getting pointed and Jake Paul eventually earning a knockdown late in the fight. Tommy Fury ends up winning a split decision victory. Um, some people thought that Jake had done enough to win the fight. Um, it was very close back and forth. Tommy Fury did do a good job of using his jab and footwork to stay away from the big right hands that Jake was loading up. Um, and both seem to be down for a rematch in the future. Seems like Jake Paul's leaning that way as well. There it is. Uh, it's John, Song of the Week. Uh, song of the Week, I'm going to go Hustle and Motivate by Nipsey Hustle. Okay. Before we give to our one for the people, um, because I don't, I hate ending on like, kind of more like unfortunate or sad thing. So I want to do it before we get to that, but I don't want to make light of this either. Um, we've got to uh, send our thoughts and prayers to mm -hmm. um, Isaiah Abel's. Uh, Isaiah is a uh, local mixed martial arts fighter. I think he's from Fort Wayne, um, but he comes down and trains at Gaha cross chains usually comes down I think about two to three times a week. Um, and Isaiah had a mixed martial arts fight this past Saturday. Um, don't really know a ton of details, um, but we do know that in the middle of the fight, uh, his heart stopped and mm -hmm. sounds like he had maybe cardiac arrest. Um, I think he did regain consciousness. If I, you guys can kind of, if I'm missing any details here, but he is still on a ventilator. Yeah, that's what I've seen. Yeah. So, um, if you are like the praying type, I mean, definitely take a few minutes to pray for him and his family today. I mean, that's just, um, it's just kind of, I think for me, it's just a reminder, you know, as a fan of this sport is, um, the risk um, that, that these fighters take, man, every time they go in there, um, not just to entertain us as fans, but they're pursuing dreams, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and they're trying to achieve something, um, that most of us can't comprehend. And, and, and there is this, in, this risk, you know, you don't see a ton of stuff like this, but, uh, just really scary stuff, man. And just, I have to have to mention that, that, you know, our thoughts go out to him and his family as well and friends and everybody. So, mm -hmm. uh, wanted to make sure we got that out. Um, and then, uh, yeah, one for the people. Brandon, what you got? Uh, so, I guess for me, I went and saw Creed last night, Creed 3, and uh, I'll give it a B. Like, it was a big oh, shift okay. from uh, from the first two, but, I mean, all in all, it was a good movie. So, would you, like, rank it third out of all of them? Like, yeah. would you put it in third? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do they go in order? Like, one's the best, two's the second best? <laughs> no, I honestly think two's the best. Oh, okay. One was good, um, and then, yeah, three. You could honestly throw three anywhere in there. Okay, okay. John, what you got? A couple things. One, real quick, uh, shout out to my buddies with Eat the Cake Anime. They've got 100K followers. Uh, they've been building up their brand. I'm really hyped for them. And shout out to the Kokomo Wildcats taking yeah. down Marion. Sectional champs. Sold out Memorial Gym. Not a seat in the house. Brandon finds that weird, apparently. Yeah, it might have been no, a fire hazard. No, no, no. I find it weird when 35-year-old former students just go to watch. That's that, what it is. I mean, like, who do you with, think went to watch? With no, like with no like relatives or like... There was like 80-year-old people there. Yeah. We probably were there with, I'm assuming, some sort of relative or no. attachment. You think all those people have no. a relative that play? Some, but... There's only, you know, there's only so many people on the court, right? I would say they're connected to somebody no. somehow. Because yeah. they went to school. I know people that went... Like, I know a lot of people that went to that game and have no relation to anything or anything anybody even at the school is there like a name for this club 
What club? The one you're talking about. It's just called people. alumni. It's called sports yeah. fans. It's called yeah. sports alumni. I drove by there so and weird. people were out in the road in line in front yeah, of us. Like, I had to drive around them. It's just odd. So odd. There's nothing know? weird about it. It is so very normal. It I don't think you weird. understand how big basketball is or in it's Indiana. It's not even basketball. I mean, it's just, we went to school there. It's not like. I went to the same school. Dude, it's not like I moved to like, like. Carmel or something, and I'm just pulling up to like Garen Catholic football games. Right, I didn't go to the school. Mm. I know nobody. Like, you know mm. what I mean? Like, it's not that weird. Yeah, it's pretty weird. I think that's why you guys are like, you're just so defensive about it. No, like, I just because it just boggles my mind. I've never heard anybody with that take yeah, or opinion. It's just on to me that it's weird to go to high school sports yeah, games. I don't know, but you don't go to your reunions. I did. I did. We yeah. only you had one. To- You've yeah. only had one. Oh, you haven't had more than one? No. I'm not that just, old, just, Brandon. Yeah, come, come on, man. Dude, Sometimes I forget. Jeez. Chill out, man. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's not like I'm pulling up to like 10U soccer games and I know nobody. Like, that's a little weird, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I mean, Where'd you on. go to middle school? Central. You go to those games? No. Why not? I don't know. You're an alumni. Not, yeah, but there's not really that. I guess there's not a lot of pride in that. <laughs> I mean, we were state champions well, a couple years ago. And, and let's go to the next level. Our middle school doesn't even have a basketball team now because now mm. it's all Kokomo. Yeah, it's an international. Yeah, it's thing. not. No, every middle school. Oh yeah, they combine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. So there's not like the Central Scorpions aren't a gotcha. thing anymore. Maybe I would. So now you can't say it. Uh, my one for the people. Uh, big F1 guy over here, lifelong fan. <laughs> F1's back. First race today. Um, unfortunately, I believe it has already happened. I have to go back and watch. Who's it, your favorite but, this year? Oh, it's got to be Red Bull again. I mean, Max Verstappen probably going to be world champion. Uh, at the end of I mean, it's probably not even going to be close. I think it's going to be more one-sided this year than it was last year. Would you ever consider doing an F1 race yourself? Oh, I'd love to. Probably You, you would do that, but you won't ride a roller coaster? Probably a little too obese for it, let's be honest, though. <laughs> well, if they had, like, a custom car, but let's say that wasn't an issue. You would actually sit in a car like that that goes yeah. that fast? Yeah, The thing. so my thing with roller, it's not the speed of roller coasters, it's the height and then the drop. I don't like that drop feeling, like that weightlessness. But, you, but that's just geez, you would get that in a, in a race car. I guess you would a little bit on the corner, but that's more of like a pull. Like I don't like, and I don't like going up and then dropping. Like I, there's something about that mm. that just doesn't work for me. Mm. It doesn't do it for me. It's just as dangerous. It's been more dangerous, but yeah. oh yeah, way more dangerous. It's not the thrill. Like like you ever rode the rock and roller coaster mm-hmm. in Florida? Love that roller coaster. There's no drop because it's the corkscrews. It's like the windy, but there's no significant big drop. Plus, it's indoor. It's dark. I can't see it. Like you know what I mean. <laughs> Okay, I you know what? You. I can't see what's coming. See, to mm. me, it's that click, 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 click. I don't click, like click. the I don't anticipation. Like it. I don't like it, mm. man. It's just too much for me. Makes I love me them. Have, makes me have to poop. I love roller coasters. Did you poop today, Brandon? Not yet. Okay, I'm, I'm an every other day guy. I'm not even gonna ask John <laughs> before I came. <laughs> yeah, John's probably thinking about it now. <laughs> yeah, got to plan them out, man. Oh, that's all we got. Thanks for sticking around, guys. I know we went a little long today. This would have been one where it's like, if we did two episodes a week, This, if there was a case mm-hmm. for it, this would have. There's so much to talk about. So excited. One more time, Brandon. Suck it! Mm. We'll see how long it lasts. It's only been 12 hours. <laughs> Come back next week. <laughs> we'll recap and get you guys ready for whatever is next. Peace! Peace.